Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am alone in the studio today. Our, our good friend Evan Grant is out in Arizona handling some baseball team i'm not even sure exactly what it is uh and then on the line today with us from uh, beautiful oxnard california is the one and only david moore david how are you i'm doing well and it is beautiful out here today it's beautiful out there every day although i'll have to say this david it's actually pretty nice outside today here in 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 broiling dallas uh it was in i think it might even be in the 70s as we take, I heard this. it dip into the seventies, uh, which uh, certainly take that this time of year. There, yes, you, yes, we did. It was it was really nice. We kind of went a little crazy there for a little while and ran around naked out in the lawn, and the neighbors complained. <laughs> that's what happens, you know, when the weather's nice. Uh, well, that, that's called Monday at the Sharon. <laughs> or, or pretty much any day. Yeah. So. <laughs> So anyway, so David, we uh, we're, we're still early in training camp out there, and then there's not a, a lot that you can really sink your teeth into so far, except for you know uh, the fact that uh, Jerry Jones uh, decided to to make the the, the anthem policy um, a national headline, whereas no other owner uh, stepped into that water, and and he did as he as he can only do. Uh, I, I love the the irony of this to me is that Jerry has demanded that these guys can't remain in the locker room. They got to get out there on the field with their toe on the line, and then we've got a picture of Jerry Jones during the national anthem with his hand over his heart and his hat on his head. So hat on his head, yeah. yeah. And this was while uh, this is while uh, the security staff and the volunteers at Oxnard were making it very clear to the fans who were there for the opening ceremony. To take off your cap, take off your hat uh, as they start to play the anthem. Yeah. <laughs> you can't insert yourself into a public debate. Uh, proudly and boldly proclaim your stance that you will stand during the anthem and then not exhibit the proper protocol once the anthem is played. Uh, you, you open yourself up to all sorts of uh, uh, accusations of hypocrisy and just... Uh, uh, actually, being made fun of, so I believe that that comes with the territory. You can't you can't distance yourself now and go, well, why are you being so mean to me? Yeah, well, he's and he certainly earned it. Uh, and I will say this: I think there's an ulterior th- thing here. In, in in Jerry's defense, I'm not sure that what's underneath that hat is permanent, and so I'm a little I'm afraid that maybe if he thinks if I take this hat off, maybe something will come with it. If you know what I mean, David. Well, that is certainly the theory that is uh, going around right now, but I I won't speak to the validity of that theory, but I will say when in in the national debate, when you ask players, why won't you stand uh, during the anthem, and some of them will say this is about, uh, you know, it's systematic or institutional uh, injustice or institutional racism. Uh, I don't know that probably when you're weighing that versus, well, I may wear a t- toupee and I didn't want to be seen without it. Um, I, I think one has a little bit higher ground than the other as far as an argument for proper uh, 
Anthem Protocol. Yeah, I, I believe that's so, too. And I just want to, to reiterate here, before we get too deep into this, I have been on record many times that I, I'm not in favor of the form of protest that the, that the players have taken. I believe that any time that you are going to offend people uh, and not get them to hear your point simply because they're so offended by what you're doing, I think you're defeating the purpose uh, of what you're doing. I am all for the players protesting. Uh, I am I'm all for them to say what they want to say. I think it's good that players get involved uh, with, with social issues. And certainly there are problems in this country that need to be recognized. And, and uh, I just feel like there were other ways that they could have done this. If they wanted to, after a touchdown, if everybody wanted to run down to the end zone and kneel there uh, for a moment, I'm all for that. And that draws to me just as much attention and you're, you're not – because everybody watches to see what the guys do after they score a touchdown. And you're not going to uh, offend people who had no dog in the hunt whatsoever. But uh, at any rate, I do think it's unfortunate that, that Jerry has drawn so much attention to it uh, in an issue that I think everybody was willing to let kind of die a little bit. And then Jer- what Jerry has done is just stoke the fires. Well, he, he doubled down on his brand, and he wanted to get across that he felt this was an important uh, for his brand, for America's team, to let everyone know where they stand from a sponsorship standpoint, uh, from a fan base on, on the reaction they were getting. I, you know, he, you know, he was playing to his base is what he was doing. But Absolutely. In doing that, you, you have to when you do that, and and you make such a public display of it, uh, you have to prepare yourself for the fallout and the consequences. And we've seen it with him wearing the cap. Uh, we thought, look, you know, he said that. Uh, uh, he said that President Trump's, uh, you know, President Trump's interest in this issue was problematic for uh, the NFL. Well, President Trump comes out the day after Jerry says that and praises him. <laughs> in right. Uh, you have you have Texas politicians racing to see who can, uh, you know, pat Jerry on the back first and say how much they love the Cowboys and, and that he's taking this stand. So, uh, Jerry. Gets, has to deal with all of that as well, as along with Malcolm Jenkins of Philadelphia and others, uh, questioning uh, his motives and, and uh, his sincerity on this, and and uh, and and you know what he is doing with uh, with his players. So he, he puts his players in a bad spot. I mean, look, everyone's in a bad spot on this in some extent, and and you're you're forced to uh, carve out a niche uh, in this public debate. And if you don't take a side, that's that's poisonous in today's society as well. You know, it's uh, uh, this is just a new normal that we have, and and I know fans get tired of talking about it and going, please just stop talking about the anthem, just talk about what goes on on the field. Um, you, I, I don't think you can do that anymore. I, I think uh, sports entertainment are so intertwined uh, with our current uh, political uh, and social climate that th- those days are long gone. Well, like they are too, and and look, let's face it. Uh, what's going on in training camp so far? We 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 try, we had at one point we had six people out there in Oxnard, David. I think that left me and Gary Level here in Dallas. <laughs> I'm not positive, <laughs> yeah. but there wasn't very many of us left here. Uh, so, uh, you know, we got a lot of people out there trying to 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 think of things to write about. Um, so it's uh, you know that that's the other issue. I, I think. I, I, I do think this is going to carry over into the season. Obviously, uh, it will. Uh, but uh, at least at that point, there'll be other things to, to read and look at as well. 
Speaking of which, uh, so we have seen a little bit of the receivers in training camp, and uh, uh, it, it appears uh, that a guy who has at least made some impressions so far is the third-round pick, Michael Gallup. Yeah, he's a guy who's going to be part of the mix uh, at the receiving core, not going to replace no one individual, I don't think, are going to replace the numbers that Des Bryant had. Uh, but I would certainly expect uh, the, the group that they have in there getting those snaps uh, will probably exceed the numbers that he got last year, whether it be two or three of them as they spread the ball around. Uh, Gallup's in the mix. Uh, traditionally, rookie receivers don't have big first years, but um, you've seen some in recent years come through and, and, and carve a substantial niche for themselves. And, and the Cowboys believe that the Gallup can do that, that he can carve a substantial niche uh, as a rookie. Uh, don't have any thousand-yard expectations for him his rookie season, but can move toward that uh, through his career. They like what they've seen so far. Uh, he looked really good in his first three days in camp. Uh, didn't look so good on Sunday uh, before they had their day off, their first day off of camp. Uh, struggled a little bit there, but that's to be expected for a, a rookie. Not every day is going to be uh, peak efficiency, but they, they really like how he's picked up the offense. He's very smooth. They like his movement, how he gets off the line of scrimmage, uh, good size, pretty good speed. Um, he, he's really a, a player that they've, they're intrigued by, and everything they've seen in the offseason program and, and early in this camp reinforces that they believe uh, he'll be able to help them in the receiving game from day one. You know, I've only been around him once, but I was impressed with him, uh, with what he said, how he said it. He seemed like a smart kid. He seemed like a kid who had his head on his shoulders, uh, you know, knew what he had to do, uh, how to act, what he's got to do. Uh, are you under that impression about him as well? Oh, yeah, and uh, it's significant, too, that when, uh, you know, Dak Prescott in invited like four receivers to go with him out to uh, Florida, uh, right at the end of uh, minicamp to spend a little bit extra time, uh, went fishing, uh, but, you know, did a lot of uh, just working on, on some routes alone, just the quarterback and the receivers. And it was Helen Hearns. It was, you know, it was the older guys, uh, but the one rookie who was invited was Gallup. And uh, so that shows you the expectations uh, that this organization and Dak Prescott have. And, and they look pretty They've looked pretty good here in the early stages as far as uh, building a rapport. Yeah. Now I want to I want to go back here to something that uh, Des Bryant tweeted the other day about. Uh, I believe he called it garbage ass play calling uh, and uh, and players, <laughs> which, which was really nice. Uh, and uh, talking about players always lined up in the same positions. And of course, I don't think anybody would argue with. I don't know about the garbage ass play calling part, but the fact that they were pretty much always lined up in the same place is is probably accurate. Um, but the a point I would want to uh, pursue with you, David, is if the, one of the reasons why the guys were always in the same position was they felt like they couldn't put Dez in different positions across the line of scrimmage. Uh, if you look at uh, Alan Hearns, he has played inside and outside in his career. As a matter of fact, was playing more inside uh, the last year or so than he was outside. Um, so, uh, is there a feeling that one of the reasons they might be a little more versatile in the things that they're doing in the, in the, with their positioning of wide receivers is because they feel like that all these guys can do what they would want to ask? Yeah, the, the buzzword here, offensive side of the ball, is versatility. And uh, you've certainly seen it here early in camp. I mean, you have 
uh, Tavon Austin and uh, Cole Beasley outside receivers and uh, an Allen Hearns inside. Uh, you're, you're seeing many different combinations. The receivers are basically interchangeable on, on three or four spots across the line. And yes, there was an element of predictability to what the Cowboys had done before, in large part because they felt they couldn't move around uh, Des Bryant that much. You know, when, when Jason Witten was out there, you were going to do certain things. Uh, now, now I'm not saying they're better without Jason Witten and, and Des Bryant. That, that remains to be seen offensively, how they can make up for what those guys brought to the offense. But they will try to make up for it by being less predictable than the, what they were and uh, you know, making it difficult for defenses to get a gauge on, okay, um, you know, when they line up this way, this is what they're going to do. I mean, you know, look, Bez was the X receiver. Uh, uh, you could move him a little bit, but he was always going to be the X receiver, and everyone had their roles, you know, after that. Uh, you know, you knew what, you knew Jason Witten was going to be out there on the field. Now, you couldn't stop what he was doing, but you knew what his routes were. Now, you don't know how they're going to use the tight ends, especially early in the year. Um, you don't know if they will use Ezekiel Elliott more as a receiver out of the backfield or Terry Von Austin as a receiver out of the backfield more uh, to compensate for the loss of a, of a dominant tight end and Jason Witten. So there's going to be an element of surprise to how this offense attacks this year that I think certainly early in the season, if they execute, is going to work to their advantage. Yeah, you know, I just don't have the same uh, oh anxiety, I guess you might uh, put it, about the receiver position that everybody else seems to have. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be great. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't rank them uh, in the uh, – they'd be they're in the, the bottom third of the league in, in uh, quality of receivers, I believe. Uh, but, you know, I I said that last year and the year before that as well. Uh, you know, I think that these guys had earned a reputation that uh, was was fading. Um, and, and I think you look at two years ago, Cole Beasley was the leading receiver on this team. So it, it's not like uh, Des Bryant – we just we want to think of Des as what he was, uh, and and not of what he is now. And I think what he is now is reflected in the in the fact that uh, he's still looking for a team. And I think there's some other factors involved there, as we know. Uh, when you you can't keep tweeting and saying the things that you're saying and expect people to come running to your door and asking you to come play for them. Uh, but I, I I do think that that most of it, as we as we well know, if you can play. Uh, people will put up with a lot, um, and and I don't, I'm not sure that that's still going to be the case with Dez. Uh, I, I think that to me the bigger concern is the loss of Jason Witten. Uh, I just think there there is no uh, we we have no idea what's going to happen behind that. You know we we have seen what they can do with other wide receivers on and, and guys that are on this team now and on this roster. Uh, Cole Beasley is, is the perfect example of that. Uh, so. Who would, you, who would you expect, David, from this group, just guessing right now, who do you think will end up being the, the leading receiver? Uh, leading receiver out of this? I, I, if he stays healthy, I, I do believe Alan Hearns. Um, you know, I, I think Alan Hearns or Cole Beasley. I, I think those are going to be the two uh, main targets uh, going into the season. Um, that, that'll evolve and go back and forth, but I, I would anticipate those two guys. And, and uh, you know, the, the other thing – Another point I want to make, we were talking about how versatility and unpredictability will, will aid this offense early. But the other side of that is, and, and this is where you still have to develop, you know, the, the great thing about a Jason Witten was, 
if it was third and five, you knew you could go to him and the same route and defenses couldn't cover it. You still had a pretty good chance you were going to complete it and, and, and get the first down. Uh, now when you have third and three, third and five, who are you going to go to? What play does someone have that you can go to time and time again that you feel is as close to automatic as there is as far as picking up a first down? Uh, that's what they lose without Jason Witten. That's what they're going to have to replace. And that's a, that's a key element, especially for an offense that is a run-based offense that is about controlling the clock. Uh, they're going to have to convert third and short. And so someone... Or, or a series of people are going to have to step up. Uh, at the tight end position right now, again, that's going to be a committee as well. Uh, I know everyone looks at the uh, Dalton Schultz, the, the draft pick, and, and I would expect him to contribute, especially as the season goes along. But I, I would anticipate from what we've seen in the offseason and, and early here in camp that uh, uh, Blake Jarwin is going to be the starting tight end going into the season. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Jones certainly his favorite guy. He talked him up quite a bit, uh, and, uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that – I would anticipate that, you know, that if, if that's the case, you know, then he steps forward, and, that, and then, that's, then that's fine. Uh, I just don't – I don't expect the tight end position to end up with nearly the, the receptions that Jason Witten did. I, I think what you are talking about earlier about the versatility, the fact that the ball is going to be spread around quite a bit more – Tavon Austin's going to make a few catches that they didn't get out of any backup receivers, uh, any backup running backs before, or whatever we want to call Tavon. We want to call him a wide receiver or a, or a running back or whatever it is. And I'd also think that, that I expect Zeke Elliott to catch a few balls. On those on those third and shorts, I, I expect him to be in the game, and I expect him to be catching some balls out of the backfield. And, and frankly, that's what they ought to be doing with him. Uh, I think you, you need sure. to be maximizing – what he has in in uh, in his arsenal, and certainly he was that kind of back coming out of Ohio State. They haven't they haven't done it very much with him, and I think it's time to take advantage of that now. I think yeah, and I think you'll see that. I think one reason, well, last year, as we all know, there were other issues complicating how he was used going forward. Yeah, uh, but you know, it, you know, initially it was they like him as a receiver. They know he's a, a tremendous threat back there. But he also, on third down, they were giving him a lot of protection. He's so good at protection as well. True. They were keeping him back to protect. True. So if you flip, you know, if you have him go out, then who's going to stay back there to protect? So uh, that's the reason he hasn't been out more. But that's not to say they won't get him out more this year. I think they will. Uh, I think you're, you're going to see a lot of different things this year. One thing we talked about is, you know, we mentioned with Tavon Austin and a guy we haven't talked about, Deontay Thompson. Uh, you know, you know they, those two guys, Thompson and, and Austin, give this offense an element of speed that it really hasn't had over the last four to five years. So I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that's incorporated into the offense. And it's not always about them necessarily getting the ball, although they'll have to get it enough to where their speed is going to open things up for the offense. Uh, but, but I think that will give uh, Scott Linehan – uh, some things to play with uh, that that he hasn't been able to in, in recent years. Well, you know, you know how that is. You just need to have somebody who can take some of the defense downfield with him. You know, uh, sure. and and get everybody off the line of scrimmage, and and, and that's the, those are the kind of things that the the Cowboys need to show. I I think that they were they were obviously very successful uh, two years ago with an offense that was fairly predictable, uh, and and they and they were not last year, and and we could look at the reasons 
why that is, I, I do believe the biggest problem was the fact that Zeke was uh, was not present, and uh, and so there was a lot of you know there was a lot of. Uh, uh, work trying to get that back together. I think that the offensive line struggled in the first half of the season uh, for whatever reason, and uh, maybe just adjusting to new new personnel. I, I you know we all know that it takes a while to get an offensive line to gel and to get all the parts just right. Now they're now they're going to move another guy in, uh, Connor Williams, uh, to play to play guard, left guard. So what uh, I know we've read that the players are very impressed with him. He's very athletic. You know, he's uh, he's leading all the, the linemen on and running the gassers at the end of practice and whatever. Uh, is there anything else we can take out of that so far? Uh, they like him. They think he's a real good fit. Uh, you know, again, come in, he steps in as a day one starter. And, uh, you know, one, that's a tribute to him, but also it's an acknowledgement of, this offensive line around him is pretty good and has, uh, you know, has a good base there. And, and they feel they can put him in from day one. And, and whatever mistakes he makes, they'll be able to cover them. And uh, they'll come together, you know, more quickly as a unit. I, I think now they see, okay, he gets us now. We're going to have five guys, and their ages are all staggered well, where we can keep this thing together for several years here and feel pretty good where we are on the line. Uh, he, he's looked he's looked very good here early, and and going back to the point you made about the offense last year, um, you know, to, to me where the Cowboys failed to make the playoffs last year was on back to back home games where they go over thirty points against the Rams and Green Bay and lose both games. So I think they were doing some good things offensively right at that point, but then you lost Elliott, and as soon as you lost Elliott, you lost all form of offensive. Uh, uh, not only continuity, uh, but ability, really. I mean, they were, they struggled to score in double digits, uh, without Elliott those first three games. And so, uh, you know, over the final eight games of the regular season, they just never had, uh, a good offensive fit. But I think it's because, uh, once Elliott was taken out, all of their flaws were exposed and, and they just couldn't fight their way out of it even. Uh, when when Elliott came back, when there wasn't much of the season left, so I still think even last year that they were a pretty good offense early. I, I think everyone uh, who's down on them and rightfully so is remembering those last eight weeks of the season. But when Elliott was there and they were healthy early in the season, that offense was still pretty effective. So uh, we'll, we'll see what they're like this year. But I, I, I would, I'm like you. I, I don't I don't have the uh, the the anxiety or the consternation over what are they going to do at receiver that so many others do. I, I think they will be able to uh, pass the ball well enough. And and the other thing to keep in mind with these receivers too is um, a lot of what they ask the receivers to do here is, is be good run blockers right. uh, to open up some runs down the field. And uh, this group is very willing at doing that. And, and that's, that's in the job requirement. And uh, Alan Hearns is pretty good at that from, from what I've seen here early. Yeah, uh, the, the the whole thing with the Cowboys is always interesting to me. The going into a season, uh, what the feeling is about how they're going to do, what they're going to do. You know, I, I try to put all that aside, all the emotion that that fans and some seem to have about you know how good they're going to be based on something that's happened in the off season. 
uh, I, I don't see any reason why this isn't a team that goes. You know, if if, if the right if the people stay healthy uh, and the right people stay healthy, and and uh, no one gets uh, suspended, and uh, and they have the the season you should expect them to have, I don't see any reason why this isn't a ten and six, eleven and five team. You know, I I, I think that. They have, uh, uh, with what Tank Lawrence has done on, on defense now, if he is able to repeat that uh, with the parts that they've added and, uh, and the progression of people and, and these rookies last year in the secondary who played well and, uh, and who you would expect them to progress a little bit from that. And then if they were able to put together a deal and bring in Earl Thomas, uh, which I, I think they need to do, uh, I don't see any reason why this team shouldn't be good. Well, and again, because of how last season unfolded with the suspension and, and because they were so bad in those first three games of Elliott's suspension, just so bad, I think that's the overriding image that, that many fans have of, of the Cowboys last year. Uh, and I get that, but, you know, they did finish nine and seven. And, and when you look at the, when you look at the NFC, uh, you know, of all the teams in the NFC, uh, that made the playoffs in 2016, only one of them made it in 2017. Only one was able to repeat. So really, uh, that the Cowboys stayed up at a level as high or a little higher record-wise of all the playoff teams from the year before when they came out as the number one seed. So um, I just don't think Dallas' season last year was as bad as the perception is. And look, it was the first time under Jason Garrett that they've had back-to-back winning seasons. Now, is that enough going forward? No, they're going to have to have another winning season, and they're going to have to do something in the playoff. Uh, you can't go 13-3 and three as they did in 2016 with a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back and then come back for two consecutive years and do nothing in the playoffs or build on that. Uh, that is your window uh, when you have two dominant skill guys in their rookie contracts being underpaid for, in essence, what they're providing the team because you can use that money to build around them and, and go for it then. And that's why I think this year is crucial for the Cowboys. I do too. And, and, uh, and, and back to that Earl Thomas question, I know there's been some speculation. Well, if, if Earl's going to be a free agent after next season, why don't you just wait a year and sign him instead of having to give up a second or third round pick? Well, to me, you know, if you think you're going to be good this year, you go all in this year. Uh, you can't say, well, we'll just wait until next year. If, if you think that Earl Thomas is a difference maker, then you, then you go out and get him. Exactly. And you're, if you give a second and third round pick, that's for this year is what you're doing uh, because you want him for this year. Um, and, and I agree. I, I still think that uh, that is something that bears watching. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, you know, Earl is forcing the issue right now. At some point, I think Seattle will be receptive to are more receptive to than they have been of, of can we get something done. And I think Dallas has been sitting back the whole time saying, you know, when there's a time for a deal to be done, we're here and we're ready to make it. Let's see if we can make it happen. So uh, Earl Thomas is still very much in the conversation going forward as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, me too. David, it's always great to have you. Uh, enjoy yourself out there in Oxnard. These uh, the, this wild, you know, uh, boondoggle that you guys have got going on out there, partying <laughs> every night. Uh, and meanwhile, we're I'm back. I'm disputing that. There was, it was a party last night. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's just a it's just a party for like three weeks out there, you guys. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> meanwhile, we're back here boiling away. Uh, but anyway, sorry, we'll be all right. Thanks, David. We'll see you next time. 
Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. There goes David Moore, one of our favorites, uh, a, an increasing regular on the podcast here, and, and for good reason. We, we like having David on. He knows what he's talking about. So uh, that's our Cowboys podcast for today. Uh, we are also going to have a Rangers podcast. You know, the, as this is being taped on Tuesday, this is trade deadline day. So there's a lot to talk about there. There's some trades that have already been made, and uh, we expect there to be some more. So we'll discuss those with our old pal Evan Grant. Uh, so make sure that you, you tune in and catch up with all of that. And uh, until then, from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.